Today's podcast sponsor is Hubert Engineered Woods. And I want to talk to you about zip sheathing and why we use zip sheathing. I know you've heard me talk about it on the podcast before, but I thought let's just lay it out in the simplest of forms. Number one, when I install it properly, I tape the seams, I liquid flash the seams, I manage for water with my windows, I do, I, I use their products, I don't have to worry about water. There are times when we install drywall inside of a house and we don't have cladding on the outside because a no zip system is going to be waterproof. So that's number one. Number two, I can manage for air. So using zip system sheathing on the walls, my like last five houses we built were all below passive house uh, levels of air leakage. They were all below that 0.6 ACH 50. And we're not putting that much effort into air sealing. We're just making sure that we tape well, which we manage for water, we manage for air. And the last five houses that I built all had zip R because that continuous insulation that comes adhered to the back of my zip sheathing that I'm already putting up and installing, now I have continuous R value that I get the whole R6 or the R9 or R12, whatever it is, I don't see building any other way. It works for us, it can work for you. Make sure you go to huberwood.com and check them out. And Huber, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. I'm Jake Bruton, and today on the Unbuild It podcast, we're going to talk about client selection. We've talked in the past, uh, not one topic, but we talked multiple times about what design professionals, what things you should look for, things like that. Let's talk about what you should look for as a cl- or for a client in a client. Uh, I'm joined today by Steve Basic and Peter Yost. Howdy. How are you doing? <laughs> They're motivated. They're uh, caffeinated and they are ready to play. So I want to start the conversation about clients by giving a piece of advice that I wish somebody would have given me uh, when I first started out. Not every person that calls your company is your client. Really? You don't want every client. You shouldn't need every client. You should be running your business (laughs) in a way where you don't need every client. Obviously, when you're starting out that that may not be the case. Sometimes we take jobs that we didn't want or that aren't the right fit for us. Uh, but not every person that comes to you is your client. And you should think about that every time you talk to somebody. And you should try to disqualify anybody that you don't think you have an opportunity for success. Because that's what, that's what we've had the best luck with doing is saying, am I going to be able to make these people happy? Can I build this house for the budget that they're talking about? Can I build it in the timeline? Can I deal with their attitudes towards things? Do they align well enough with me and what I do as a, what our company does is uh, for us to be able to be successful? Do we have an opportunity for success? Because if you don't have an opportunity for success, why the hell would you take that job? Why the hell would you sign on that client? It's interesting because you mentioned, um, the fact that the client, uh, it, what the client's expectations are. What's interesting for me is I know that I'm, I'm going to make them unhappy, right? I mean, <laughs> just because of your personality or <laughs> no, because <laughs> if the, if the building has a problem, all I can do is point at the problem and go, yep. Yeah. And, yep. uh, you're totally screwed. And, uh, uh, you're going to pay me quite a bit of money. And no, I'm not going to fix it. You're going to have to find somebody else to fix uh, it. It's a tough, tough sell. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to ask you guys, like the very first thing I do is I say, here's my resume. Here's my rate. I'm fully insured. 
uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be an inexpensive uh, partnership. Um, and that's kind of a bit of a... I've heard you're really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if, they, if they start that way, it's generally uh, not a terribly good sign. Does your, do your billing rates go by bits? Like two bits, four bits? <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of interesting is that the, I always give two rates. You know, this is the rate if the project doesn't involve litigation. Here's the rate if it's going to involve litigation. <coughs> um, Why is that? What was the monetary type in, like, Egypt? What was the... Oh, I don't know. Uh, why can't we think of that? There wasn't bits. There wasn't any... Rubies? No. Rubles. You were going to yeah, say rubles. something about that? Oh, it, it's because uh, the going rate, if you're an expert witness, is quite a bit higher than if you're just doing consulting. Well, and you have more... I's to dot and T's to cross, right? Right. You and have I, to be more impeccable with your your assessment. Well, not yeah. only that, but you have somebody that is on the opposing side, the lawyer, who is doing nothing but trying to degrade you and make you look like an idiot. Yeah, so it's not just that your hourly rate is higher. It's that everything has to be done much more carefully. And, like, you know, if, if I know you're not involved in litigation and you want me to have a conversation about my key takeaways – you know, that's pretty easy. But if I write a report that's going to go into a, a into litigation, as Steve said, every little word is going to get parsed. So. So what is what does the process look like? So that's that's Peter's process. He starts with his resume, starts with pricing. He's up front with how the process will look. So I got three types of clients. Clients I want to work with. The clients I don't want to work with. And then the total whack jobs. <laughs> total whack jobs. And do you tell any of them now? You know, I I have told recently. I've I've had a few that I just said I don't think we're the best fit. Anybody that you'd like to say their first and last name on the podcast? No. <laughs> Some of them, um, I might spread it out long enough so that they just don't. They just realize this isn't going to happen, and they fade away. And I know for a fact that somebody calls you for a design and spec review. Yeah, they're going to get. They're going to get right over to me. Yeah, if somebody calls me and says, "Same here," I have a house designed, and um, you know, or, or I'm working with an architect, but he has, he or she has no clue on how to do these details, and I'm really concerned that we get these wall details and stuff right. Do you, would you mind working with us? And my comment is typically, if if I'm not driving the bus, I don't get on it. And uh, so, but yeah, because. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I'm not an architect, but I I totally get you do not want to play second well, I fiddle. Just, the problem is, is that's a very muddy, complicated area eventually. Yep. Yes. And there's no way around it. Sooner or later, I'm going to say we should do something where the original architect or somebody is going to say, yeah, that's we would never do it that way. Why would you want to do it that way? And now the client is torn between yeah and they're forced to make a decision between two people that i don't want them to it's it's hard enough dealing with clients when um, when they're only battling my decisions never mind somebody else's but the the total whack jobs that category it's uh you know every once in a while you come across a client and it's like you meet and then on the way home i go this person is a total whack job but I almost have to take this job just to see what it's going. <laughs> I, I want to enjoy the ride. Like, 
Because I can't believe yeah, what I'm too, hearing. The entertainment value might be too high. Like I can't, I can't pass this up because one, I just have to see where this is going because <laughs> maybe there is some genius here mm -hmm. that I'm yeah. missing. But so that's so cool, cool. It's cool to hear you say that, Steve. Because <clears throat> you're one of the few people that say total whack job. That's got some appeal to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, honestly, Jake probably as well. Birds of a feather. I yeah. get, I do get a bunch of projects that people, people refer me to like this, this project is a little bit crazier. It's out there and, oh, you should give Steve a call because that's like right up his alley. He can solve that or work with you on that. And so I get these people that um, want to do that stuff too. So, but, uh, but yeah, so those are intriguing. But, but there are, you know, some clients that, you know, to your comment, Jake, about, um, you know, what people have told you. I, I've had similar people. I had an older architect friend that said, you know, if you get every job, then you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. So you should have people turning away from you, not getting every job. Um, the, uh, you know, and I also had one of the, one of the, um, uh, most respected builders of mine, friends, uh, or a friend of mine that I consider one of the most respected builders, he had a comment that just, I, I absolutely loved it. He said, you know, in my 30 years of building, I've had a handful of clients. I wish I paid them $500 to go away. I would have made more money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I would say that I only have uh, like one couple that got one over on me or hosed me out of a ton of money or, or screwed us in any way that I didn't see coming. Everybody else that ever has been a pain in the rear, I saw it coming long before we got to that point. And through my own uh, hubris thought that I could turn things around or mm. I could steer them in the right way or that I'd be protected in the situation or uh, I, I just uh, every other time, I should have recognized it sooner and went, yeah, you guys aren't my clients. I mean, and I, and I tell people, or, or, you know, I tell myself and I would give people the advice, you know, when you scrutinize a client, if you have the slightest bit, bit of questioning, then the one thing that you have to remind yourself for is I've known this person an hour and I have a handful of question marks. What's going to happen when I've known this person for eight months or a year? Mm -hmm. Like if I can't start out just being fully enthused about a project, then why? Uh, Have either of you had clients where you did a job and then they came back to you and it was like, no, I don't want to go through that again. Cause I bet you there's a lot of stories of, well, that was a great client. I can't wait to work with them again on another project. I don't think I've had anybody come back for a second time that I wouldn't work with. Hmm. I think everybody that I've thought, yeah, I'm not working, even the ones that went okay, that I'm just like, yeah, I just won't do that with them again. They haven't returned. Mm -hmm. uh, or I guess I shouldn't say that. Some of the, I have had a couple, uh, two different clients that I can think of that both came back for a second job, but I was able to say, that's, it's just too small for us to be able to mobilize for. We, we can't, we can't mm -hmm. compete price wise on, uh, a mudroom renovation that's a ten thousand dollar project we just we can't get there for that you know mm -hmm. so i was able to go well it's a pass mm -hmm. i bet you steve trying to think i no not really because most of the time if i make it to the end of a project with a client we're on 
we're on good terms. We've never like said walked away. So I think that job's over kind of thing. I wonder how many people on the other side have said that about either one of us. Like, oh, thank goodness that we don't know. I mean, you can't be in this business. And yeah, you can't be in right. any business and not run into somebody. I, this wasn't a, this is kind of the anti <coughs> version of that. But recently I had, I, I met with a client who we talked about working together. They chose to go with another architect. Five months later, I got a letter from him saying, Steve, this isn't working out with the other guy. We would really, really greatly appreciate you to reconsider and come and work with us. Hmm. So I see him on the back. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he was like, oh, my God, really? And I was like, yeah, I don't hold a grudge just because you yeah. can't make good decisions. Please <laughs> <laughs> tell me you didn't say that. I did say it to him. Just because you're bad at making choices. Just because you're bad at making choices. It's, uh, uh. It's, you know, I won't hold it against you. Um, but the, he knew I was joking. He knew I was joking when I said it. But, uh, but now we're into it, and we have there's kind of a mutual friend in there and he was telling the mutual friend with not wanting me to know, but I, I, I don't think he knows we're as good of friends as we are, but he was telling me, he's like, we, you know, we had a couple meetings with Steve and oh my God, this is, this is going so great. It's like totally different than working with the other guy. We're doing this and that, blah, blah, blah. And the, the guy was telling me and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, everybody's got their, their system and their ways of doing things. But you know, the, one of the things for me, um, and, and the beauty of what I do and the beauty of <clears throat> how I do it is up until a year or two ago, well, two years ago, it was just me. So mm -hmm. a lot of my projects kind of ended up as friendships and, and stuff like that yeah, because yeah. it really becomes a really social part of my life of you know, I still have clients. It's like every once in a while, I'll get out of the blue an email that says, hey, Steve, why don't we uh, go out for a burger and, and catch up? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I have maybe four or five clients that I do that with and we'll go out, you know, once a year and just catch up with them and see how the life, how life is going. Are the kids, are they enjoying the house and this and that? And, uh, I, that's interesting because I think all three of us, it's a very personal relationship. It's very business oriented. But yeah, many of my clients, you know, they're, I wouldn't say that they're close friends, but they're more than just yeah. total well, I tell clients. every one of my clients, just because you're paying for it and living in it doesn't mean it's your house. <laughs> right? That's my baby. I got to stop by and make sure you're not disrespecting her. Well, and you got to remember that in some of these relationships, we're spending years yeah. with these people. Yeah. You know, it might be two years from first phone call to handing over keys. I, I hate you to tell better you this, be able to get I have along. some that are that I, I have one client. I'm it's a four year relationship, which involves litigation. Well, um, you, not only are you really expensive, but man, you milk. He knows how to drag that out. Well, like, speaking wow, of let's turn that $40,000 job into a hundred K. Speaking of milking it though, I was thinking back who has stiffed me and I can only think of two and one was a person with whom I had, with whom I made no connection and I saw it coming. The other one was a total blindside. Somebody who came through a real close channel and was very personable. And, and I've told her three times now, your invoice is overdue. And she knows that I know two people that connected us. And I'm thinking, what's yeah. going on here? Because 
this is pretty personal. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's baffling me. I just, I have no idea. And I did not see it coming at all. So this, this, uh, as Steve would say, anecdotal story is uh, slightly disparaging for some of the people in our industry. Anecdote is a story. I know. That was the joke. Thank you. Everybody likes a callback. Uh, My dad ran a lumber yard a couple hours from here before he started the construction company. And the the owner of the lumber yard had the 3P rule. We don't give credit to the 3Ps. Painters, plasterers, and preachers. <laughs> and it was well, the, the painters are going to buy stuff that they can't afford. The plasterers are never going to show up to pay their bill either way. And the preacher thinks God's going to take care of it. <laughs> but he called it the 3P rule. We never give credit to those three. That's terrific. I have an anecdotal story. <laughs> no, I have a little rule because people always ask, like, I've had some younger architects approach me and say, hey, Steve, you know, how, how do you deal with, like, friends and stuff mm-hmm. and, and projects mm-hmm. like that? And I tell people, I said, you know, you're either close enough that I do it absolutely free or for a really discounted rate or you're not a friend and you pay full price. Do you want to know how much we paid for our home design with him? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Don't, I do not want to go there. <laughs> so I wanted to, That's, that is, we, we can't glaze over it. I made a joke. That is an, an incredible way to look at it. You're either my mom and I'm going to take care of it for you yeah. or you respect what I do for a living and you wouldn't expect me to come to your business and get free shit. And there are special consequences <clears throat> where like there is a little gray area in there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like some things like, you know, I mean, designing a whole house for somebody totally for free. It's like injecting that into your workload. It's a challenge. So it just dawned on me. I have a brand new cr- client selection criterion, oh boy. which is, um, I last week decided I am not ever again lifting the blower door, crawling into a crawl space, crawling through an attic. My rate is this amount. And if you want me to do a physical building investigation, you have to go find somebody to do all those things. And I actually wrote up a document that says, you know, this is what the person has to be capable of doing. And I will discount my rate $25 an hour. And either you can do okay, it or so you So let's get this straight. Not only do you charge a lot, <laughs> and then you stretch it out and milk the job. But then you make them HR. You make them go find a subcontractor that does all the work for you that you could pay pennies on the dollar uh, to I, get the job done. I'm not really sure what your point is. Yeah. Unbuild a podcast. Are you guys really grasping this business model here? Because this is a whole lot about doing nothing, but getting paid an awful lot to do it. I love this. Well, you know, the problem is... Turns the client into HR. (laughs) People say to me, you should be mentoring somebody. I don't want an employee. I'm trying to do less work. I don't like people. (laughs) What are you asking me to be around people? Oh, you want me to be around people? Well, wait a minute. I got a checklist for that. Let me... uh, I got a special price for that. It's it's the, you know, the tool repair shop 
that has the Pete. Pete has friends price. The Pete needs friends price. There's the tool repair shop that says like our labor rate's thirty five dollars an hour. If, if you, you tried help. to work on it, it's forty five. <laughs> if you're gonna stand here and watch, it's fifty. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna try to help, Pete says, are you gonna be anywhere within the county while I try to be at your house? Or are you gonna want to talk to me? Are you gonna think that I'm gonna talk to you back? Do I have to pretend to be polite? Man, oh man. No, I'm just uh, you know it, it 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 is a client selection criteria. I just literally can't do that work anymore and. So, I mean, they're not going to do a building investigation or somebody's going to do the heavy lifting. Sad to say. So you want to do a blur door at all? No, I I literally can't do the 38 pounds. I didn't know blur door could weigh 38 pounds. We just learned that. Did you know that? I did know that. He's talking about the uh, uh, Minneapolis door, though. He's not talking about the retrocheck door. Yeah. So, speaking of which, uh, neither is a sponsor, but... And Pete's partial to the Minneapolis door that he has. Retrotech has one that's battery operated that's come down the pipeline that's like a fourth of the weight or something like that. Too. Really? Yeah. Wow, I wonder how they're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. so they Changer. completely swapped the motor and the motor's the heavy part. Now I got to get back in the game? Yeah. Oh, oh it's going to cost people even more. <laughs> Jake, you're yeah. bursting my bubble about how I could avoid yeah. lifting anything. Sorry. I did... I, one of the jobs decided it was a uh, historic church, and to get up to the steeple and the attic, we had to go up a 24-foot extension ladder into a scuttle hole. And I got up in there, and I just thought, yeah, this Screw is this. Uh, I'm not going to be doing You know one of the coolest things about going into that attic was um, they had redone the ceiling, and it was all plaster. There was one penetration in the entire nave you know, which is where the actual religious parts are, um, was a huge chandelier. What's the unreligious parts of a church? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's why I was smiling. No, it, <laughs> I think you beat me to the same joke. It's which the, parts are the, the satanic I, parts? <laughs> <laughs> the the, the formal part. The, the formally religious parts is what you're talking about. <laughs> where the action is. <laughs> Um, anyway, we get up into the attic, and it's this beautiful old timber frame, and we're walking across. And in the in the middle of the building on a walkboard, there's this tar wooden bucket on a pulley. And the builder whom I'm with, who works in a lot of historic churches, what the hell is that? And then we're looking around, and we're digging below, looking for the uh, electrical box for the, for the chandelier, because that's the only place there's going to be an air leak, because it's the only penetration of the whole ceiling. And, and Chad, the builder, comes over and slaps him on the shoulder and says, that's a supply and return bucket for the candles. When the chandelier was candles, they would pull the chandelier up on a pulley and light the candles or change the candles that way. I would never have thought about that. Or Super lower cool. it down, right? Well, lower it to the ground so they put candles There is some relationship yeah. between lowering and, and raising <laughs> and lighting the candles on the chandelier as opposed to light bulbs, you know? That's pretty cool. It was cool. really cool. I have, a fict- I have a picture of it that we can put on the podcast. A, a Although fixture picture? Nothing to, a fixture picture? <laughs> you have a picture of, of the, the non-religious part of the church. No, actually, the chandelier was in the, the worship section. Worship section. You missed us talking about parsonages a while back, by the way. I didn't miss much. <laughs> okay, to wrap it up, are we there? Yeah. I don't have a Pete resource on selecting clients, but I know you I read a problem a- with. Let, hold on one second, because I'm going to bring this full circle. You call it client selection, really? Isn't isn't it more like client acceptance? 
Yeah. Because I'm not selecting the client. They're trying yeah. to select me. Well, yeah, you're going to be selective in who you yeah. who you who you pick. Being That's selective with clients, maybe. I'm just playing word games. And we didn't go in depth. I mean, we really all said the same thing. Look for somebody that you think you can make happy. Yeah, I mean, people always ask me, you know, hey, what's your favorite project to work on? And I say the one with the fun client. Yeah, a motivated client. Yeah, because the fun client does make it. Like, if I can crack jokes. and I think all three of us, life is way too short to work with buttheads. You know, pick people that at least you can get along with. I got to take your model, though, and just charge more and then get a subcontractor to do all the work and pay them pennies. And I like that. You know, know, note to self. Never share innovative thinking. That is innovative thinking, I'll give you. That's a pure American business model. How much can I charge to do the very, very least? He's going to pull himself up by somebody else's bootstraps. The invert, we're going to call it Pete's inversely proportional business model. How much money can I possibly make by doing the very least amount of work? I'm surprised he doesn't have a rate for being cordial. Like, so yes, the non led. I thought the whole reason we're doing that. Oh, the you un- want me to leave my house? <laughs> it's going to be a little extra. <laughs> I thought the whole purpose of then build a podcast was to improve our business. You guys are doing nothing but shutting me down. Man. We didn't make it sound very appetizing Shut- to work. No, with you, no, you sure. did. Sorry. Maybe a client a week. <clears throat> and on that note, <laughs> do do you guys have any resources that you've read on like? I, I made a video uh, on the Build Show Network that we'll link to that is 20 questions I ask every client Perfect. before I decide to even take a meeting with them. You know what, though? Let, let, if we can, seriously, let's take just a couple minutes and talk about one particular subject because I think this is really important to our listeners, especially the younger coming into business listeners, right? Because when I was young, I would take every job possible mm-hmm. because in, in some market, you know, younger um, kids that talk to me and stuff and they ask questions and stuff. And I said, yeah, it's really hard when you're in your late twenties, thirties, and you're trying to start and develop something that you almost have to take every job because you need to develop a network. You need to develop some type of experience portfolio. You need to develop, you know, connections with builders because no one's going to come to you and say, Oh, Hey Jimmy, I'm planning on, you know, building a new million dollar house here on the beach. Are there any builders, you know, and this is the builder, are there any builders that you've worked with? If your answer is no, you're not probably not getting that job. Yeah. So you need to develop all of that. So there is, you know, early on dynamic where you kind of have to take a few pains and you're going to take the few pains of, yeah, in the future, I should, you know, really pay attention to that client or, but I, I guess the moral of my story here is to the younger generations coming up as builders or architects or consultants is to pay really close attention and make sure you close that loop on the project at the end of the project and say, yes, this was the right client for me for these reasons. I saw this at the beginning. We went through the project like this or, hey, develop that red flag list of if you know clients are talking about this or asking these questions or this or that, then these aren't probably somebody. And you know, I have people that come and it's like if they come, if their first question is like, "I'm we're going to start a project here. We'd really want to inquire on how much you cost." 
It's like, if you come at me with that, it's not that I'm being snobby to you. It's just, I don't think we're in the same zip code on how you value mm-hmm. your project and how I value your project. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to be able to meet in the middle somewhere on that, if that's the first question you ask. So that's one of those red flags for me, right? But but it, when you're younger, you're going to have to take some pains. You are going to take some pains. But the most important thing is to pay attention so you can be as painless as possible. Mm-hmm. You're here. Okay, we're going to keep dragging this out because you said you're red flag, and we had talked before we started in pre-show that we were going to talk about red oh, flags. Oh, pre-show now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do you have any red flags that if a client calls you that you're like, mm, no. Does anybody say one sentence to you? Like he said, if, it, if their first question is cost, it's an uphill battle to get his attention after that, I have a feeling. I've never had anybody start the conversation with what do you cost. Um, and interestingly, I do, you know, because of, especially since the pandemic, many, many more clients, they know there's going to be a re- remote working relationship. And I always start with, we both will benefit with an initial Zoom. Right. Because you're going to decide whether you want to work with me. And frankly, I'm going to decide whether, you know, I want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all these things that you would think would be off putting. It, it's remarkable how much people say, well, that's a little blunt, but that sort of makes sense, you know, and it's a give and take. It's not just whether like, I want to work with people them. that you don't like their face. What do we mean by <laughs> your face bothers me, but I'll work with you anyway. <laughs> No, I, th- I, I think you know when someone is super demanding and not respectful of your time. Yep. That's a particular one I have trouble with when people set up an appointment and I've, you know, I've gone out of my way to shift my schedule or something and then they blow it off and, you know, yeah. you track them down. They say, oh, I was really busy. And I, I always respond like, oh, I wasn't. I was just sitting around waiting for your call. So it's, it's okay that you missed the Zoom because I'm not busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my my number one red flag uh, is uh, I could do this myself. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Because, number one, it's insulting. I've been at this for 25 years, and you think that your weekend warrior mentality has the exact same ability to do this, that, that my me and the team that I put together over the last 15 years since I own the company mm-hmm. is no better than what you can muster on the weekend with your tools. Uh, and number two, then fucking go do it. <laughs> if you can do it, find the time, take your vacation days and go do it. Best of luck. You're not my, you're not my client. And it's super cranky. Sorry. No, I can end it with a funny story actually. Okay. So I had a an anecdotal story. It, it, yeah. And it, it kind of just, it feeds right into your last story. So I was doing a project <clears throat> and the, the homeowner says he was going to GC the project himself. Nope. Bad idea. Yeah. It, it, that usually is a very bad idea, but this was one of the whack jobs that I had to see through the project. <laughs> to, to <see laughs> the entertainment value. So he has, he, he, he's going to GC the project himself. We set up a meeting to talk to one of the framers or something. And of course he was late. And, uh, and then we get talking about the, the whole GC thing and, and his wife is standing there and I said, you know, no disrespect to you. And I, I said his name and I said, but we've had three meetings together. We've had to reschedule all three of them. You were late for two of them and you're going to choose to GC this job yourself where at, at the height of this project, you're probably going to have 20 meetings a week 
that you have to fit in with your job. And you really think you can be successful at that. And before he even said anything, his wife slaps him on the shoulder and says, see, I told you, I told you, that's what I've been trying to get through your thick head, but you don't listen to me. How about if you listen to him? And she just went <laughs> on and I was like, wow, did I open up the you DM tap, on that one? You tapped the vein. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, he, he GC'd it himself. Take a guess how many framers we went through before we finished the project. More than two. Yes, four. Yeah. Four framers. There was one framer I called, like, met, I was out on the job site Monday, Wednesday, I had a question and I called him and he goes, yes, yeah, Steve, I walked off the job yesterday. He goes, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I grabbed my tools. I told the guy, don't, two even, days. don't even pay me. I don't care about last week. I'm out of here. Grabbed his tools and just drove off the site. Well, I would say that's a red flag. Yeah. Our business is built on relationships. Choose your relationships wisely. There you go. Take us home. I thought no, you wanted me. I was right on the verge of singing something about yeah. taking you home. <laughs> He's the host. That's it. Yeah, there we go. We can't get John Denver cleared. Let's cool it on that. People are going to wonder whether or not it was an actual John Denver recording or you. Plus, we don't have rights. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If you are watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, hit the bell so that you get the uh, the alert. If you're not subscribed or not watching on YouTube, you should also do that too, as well as listening to it while you drive to work. We hope that you find this entertaining and educational. We hope that you get something out of this. This is why we do it. Share it with a friend so that we grow. Don't forget that our YouTube channel publishes two videos every week, a Tuesday and a Thursday. Some of the Thursday videos are this, and uh, some of the Thursday videos are other content, such as, uh, I know he calls it something else, but all that comes to mind is weirdo test videos. What's it called? Wingnut testing. Wingnut testing. <laughs> I was going to say, keep on doing all your social media I was just going to say, you know what? I think all of you that are watching this on YouTube, I think you should take a personal commitment the following week to make sure that you get no less than five new listeners to the Unbuilding Show. Build our empire. There you go. Have a good day. Bye.